The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Fold is brought to you by O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. No, my hockey mic, kia the fold. Umihine, ko Duncan Grieve talking wire. This is a monopod, uh, just me this week. I wanted to talk about the New Zealand TV Awards, which uh, happened last week. Um, and they, they just, they were a really interesting event that raised a, a few things that kind of have been buzzing around in my head since. Uh, this is also kind of related to the um, a piece I wrote for the newsletter Rec Room, uh, which so if you subscribe to that and have read that, you, you know I'll forgive you for for uh, turning off because um, because I'll traverse some of that that ground. Um, also, one thing I'd really love for you to do, if you can, is support our pledge me. Uh, What's for what's eating Aotearoa? Um, if you go to our site, you should be able to navigate to that. We're in the final days of it. We're pretty close to our target of fifty thousand dollars to tell a whole year's worth of stories about uh, Kai and Aotearoa. Uh, so yeah, if you're if you're listening, you're a fan of what we do. There are some really good rewards available uh, for for people who pledge to support us. So the TV awards, uh, they've been going in one form or another for for decades, but they actually sort of fell away in the early 2010s to the point where you would expect, given all of the the way that uh, digitization of media was kind of coming in, that that might have been the end of them. But a group of people got together and revived them in, I think, 2017, and they've been going ever since. And I think the whole of the sort of screen sector should be really uh, grateful to to that group because I think awards really matter. I think we we lived through this period where there's a huge amount of sort of just a sense of impermanence and that, you know, I mean, Oscar Kitely, the TV legend who I'll talk a bit more about later, you know, said if, you know, jokingly during his speech that if we don't get together and, and get and and uh, have an event like this, you know, did our work really happen? And he was sort of joking, but it, I think it's kind of true that it, once a year, trying in whatever imperfect way you do, figure out what, what the best of what you made as a group was, it sort of marks time and, and it says that what you do is important. And, you know, New Zealand is a country with... I think probably more awards per capita than any other. Um, and sometimes it can feel a little bit o- over the top like and, and, and like it becomes a bit of an obsession for, for the sector that's looking at it. But I think TV, because of the, the scale of the audience, it, it's important to take a moment to, to kind of reflect on, on what you've done. And especially in an era where criticism, which is the other great sorting mechanism that we have, uh, you know, it's going away. As, you know, if you listen to that podcast I did with Chris Schultz a couple of weeks ago, you can kind of 
you know, feel that that sense that there is a real sort of thinning of the critical ranks going on. Uh, you know, especially when I think about the the kind of era that I grew up on, when there was just a huge amount of of criticism, and you know, being a a, a full time critic was a totally plausible job to to aspire to. Uh, you know, not an easy one to get, but it, but they existed in, in a way that they don't particularly anymore. Um, so, so, you know, I think it's really important that you have events like this. The event itself was run really well. It was hosted by Kuta Forrester at the Viaduct Event Centre. Um, it moved briskly, had a bunch of, of sort of guest hosts. That, that's where there's this huge structural advantage that TV has within an award show in that, you know, you can put bits of TV shows up on a screen and they're really powerful and the performers naturally kind of uh, love the stage and and typically you know they've, they've got that that star power which makes the thing pop in a way that it might not in a you know sort of a a less glamorous industry so I think it's yeah it's it's fantastic that, that we have these awards and we should treasure them um, there are a couple of kind of themes that come out of it that, that I think I want to talk about and, and sort of dig into. But before I do that, I just want to kind of quick hit a, a few results from the awards, which I thought were particularly interesting. Um, the first is like, you know, on some level, uh, very indulgent of me. The, the personality of the year is a fan-voted award and it's typically won by like a, a Hillary Barry or, or some someone like that, just a really big, beloved um, national figure. This year's was won by Aisha Scott, who... I reckon easy 90% of the room hadn't heard of. So she's up there making her this really tearful, heartfelt speech and the room is kind of, it's not quite in a hostile way, it's just quite in a huh kind of a way. Um, so Aisha Scott is a New Zealander who is a chief stew on uh, the Below Deck franchise. She's basically a star of Below Deck Down Under, which is shot in Australia, but has also been on multiple seasons of Below Deck Mediterranean. Uh, my... You know, well, the the other podcast, uh, which which I've done until recently, The Real Pod, we've recapped Below Deck and my colleague Alex Casey has written, I think persuasively, about why she thinks it's the best uh, reality show format on the planet right now. Um, and Aisha is dead set one of the, the biggest stars within that that world and, and yet completely unknown at home. So that was a cool moment for uh, for me. And she's moved back to New Zealand. I think she's going to be a star. So just kind of watch, watch out for her. Um, Oscar Kitely, as I said, winning the TV Legend Award. Until you hear his career sort of read out uh, as it, you know as, as Twila Blakely who introduced him, you just can't get a sense of just how broad and uh, sort of diverse it is um you know from pacific underground to skits and naked Samoans and bro town to harry you know one of the best dramas i think of of this um that we produced the this century there's there's just been and i'm barely scratching the surface of it there was it's it's just an enormously uh productive career that he's had in the industry and uh you know, really great to see to see him acknowledged in that way. Um, Shorten Street won an award. That doesn't happen very often. Shorten Street can feel like it's quite maligned within the industry, even though, you know, some decent percentage of the people on stage, including people like Rena Owen and Kyle McNaughton, um, have who won, you know, big big awards or, or presented awards, 
you know, have have uh, owe something to to that show. But the award they won was particularly interesting. It was it was best script for a drama, and you know, if you think about the volume that they have to produce out of that show, really really impressive to to be nominated at all, let alone to to scoop that one up. The big awards winners, uh, the Gone. Uh, picked up five awards uh that's a like after after the party which i expect to just absolutely dominate next year's it's, it wasn't eligible for this year's awards it's a co-produced drama um where with funding from uh i think it's ireland and uh new zealand and it just shows that we have you know to 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 get to that extra level you know, you, you kind of just do need a bit more money. And, you know, the, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that two of the most acclaimed dramas that we produced in recent years both came out of the Tipuna Kairangi Fund, which basically allowed for uh, just extra, extra money to, to make those, those shows. And, you know, I don't know what the solution is because invariably that means bigger bets and and more losers effectively. But there is something in the fact that those shows are likely to travel um, and and grow the industry more than you know a, a sort of a, an alternative which which might have been a bit lower budget would have. Um, Princess of Chaos picked up three. That's the Bevan Chuang story, um, and uh, was was won some some big awards on the night. The Fold is brought to you by O-Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa, with over 4,000 out-of-home advertising sites nationwide across both street furniture and retail centres. I'm super grateful to O-Media for enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So now I want to move into one of the the sort of th- things I think is a bit challenging about these awards. Both both Princess of Chaos and the Gone uh, play on on TVNZ. TVNZ News also won almost all the big awards in that category. And so TVNZ ultimately picked up about twenty five of the roughly thirty seven thirty eight awards that it was eligible for. And you know the the next highest was Warner Brothers Discovery, which broadcast three with five. And when you just think about that disparity, when that's the second year in a row that it's been that tilted, uh, you know it starts to feel like these are the TVNZ awards uh, rather than the NZTV awards. And for the other players who sort of for them to sort of show up and watch this thing be kind of completely dominated by by that platform. You know, this is a costly enterprise for a lot of the people. These these things really matter. They 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 mean a lot. And to just to have to show up and, you know, in a lot of cases fiscally support the thing when it feels like it exemplifies the way that the table feels like it's a little bit tilted towards TVNZ within the screen at the moment. That's not TVNZ's fault to be clear, like they had a structural advantage of um, just much higher 
ratings and they have parlayed that into really investing heavily into TVNZ Plus as a platform. They've done exactly what they're meant to do. But the spectre of the government-owned media company stopping delivering dividends, heavily investing in the future in a way that the private sector competition just can't do, Uh, and then that manifesting in an awards dominance at this scale, it does just, uh, I don't know, it makes you a little bit queasy and, and concerned potentially for the the future of the awards, uh, you know, and, and so that's it's just a, a thing to pay attention to. The second um, thing I, I want to mention, like I, I sort of feel a bit torn. I've written about it though, so I, I might as well go in. Is the, the the awards happened on the National Māori Day of Day of Action? Um, you know, this this uh, which Te Pāti Māori uh, prompted in, in response to what what is widely seen as a bundle of policies in the new coming out of the new coalition which are seen as sort of anti-Māori, anti-Titiriti and there so that was in the air and it was always going to be in the air the the TV awards like most kind of arts culture spaces they're inherently very close to politics and they typically have a a sort of a fairly left-leaning constituency that's all in the game right but there was and I'm not you know like and there were there were some statements made from the 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 stage for example you know after um opening from Nazi Fatua Kura Forrester the the host said you know any national voters in the house need a translator and brought the house down great line but there were no and there were no national MPs in the house the you know obviously the the house had um you know, the, the government had been sworn in uh, the, the day before in Parliament sitting. So, you know, while Willie Jackson had, had flown up, it's it's totally normal for, uh, you know, for a clash like that to mean that you don't have a lot of representation in the House. But it, there was just a general hostility towards the government, which, like I say, for people who have been working really hard to revi- revitalise uh, Te Reo Māori or to you know, to tell stories that, that feel like they're, you know, almost implicitly under attack by this suite of policies. I get that. But this is an industry which is very largely taxpayer-funded. You know, I think I'm just going to stab in the dark guess at somewhere between sort of 50 and 70% of the shows or of the people in the room Ultimately, it's a it's a taxpayer dollar that that paid for the production of the thing that they worked on, and you know whether we like it or not, we just had an election in which fifty five odd percent of the population voted for the parties that are, and they have come up with this kind of Frankenstein coalition agreement, and that's just democracy. It's messy, and when you, as an industry, feel like you're sort of hostile to over half the population, when 100% of the population pay your wages, there is a tension there. You just can't pretend that there isn't. And you can't pretend that the process of paying for, for fun, of, of funding our arts and culture, you know, that that it's just going to happen as of right because it's important. You know, that's great if we lived in a world where it was like that, but we, we do live in a world where 
the budget of RNZ or New Zealand On Air or the New Zealand Film Commission or the very existence of the screen production grants, all this whole lattice of stuff that, that you know, is, a, is all broadly favourable to the industry were it to be reduced to just good luck to you um, against the market, it would be a tiny fraction of what it is, both in terms of what it creates and, and it's the sort of consequence and cultural power that it possesses. So, you know, while I totally believe in truth to power and the, the importance of the fourth estate and all that stuff, obviously, um, you know, I work at the spin-off, don't I? There's part of me that is thinks that you've got a government that is already kind of looking for an excuse. You know, they're, they're looking to save money for starters. David Seymour is on record as opposed to um, the screen production grants um, or rebates, sorry. Winston Peters has already gone to war with, with the media and we've got a mini budget coming on December 20th. And I don't think it's crazy to imagine that, that the uh, media, which is already troubled, like ratings are, have been really, really poor in television this year. That's still the, the biggest driver of, of cash into the industry. Uh, and uh, the balance of it is just not, you know, the digital side, the subscription side is not sufficiently scaled yet, might never be, uh, to to kind of counteract the, the those revenue losses. Everyone's been laying people off this year. My sort of spidey sense is that there is a there is a potential kind of more scorched earthy scenario where where that sort of, you know, I think there's a 6.5% um, desire for 6.5% reduction in um, costs or headcount across the public service. Some places they won't be able to achieve that. They'll be looking to achieve more of it than others. So, you know, how how is the media going to fare in this new government? We really haven't seen a good tell uh, out of them yet. Um, understandable, they've got bigger things to do, but... Yeah, there was part of me that just sort of heard the general vibe from the stage and thought, mm, I wonder, wonder how that will land with our uh, with our new government. But yeah, it was it was a fun event. I I really enjoyed it, but I just hope that one way or another the uh, the the sunset isn't coming because I do think the industry really really benefits from having an awards ceremony like that. That was the end of the podcast. That was what my intention was <laughs> to leave it there. And then I woke up this morning uh, recording this Friday the 8th of uh, December and the Media Insider, he did it again. Um, he had the scoop that Ryan Bridge will be the host of 3's new 7pm show. I was sort of halfway there, but I knew that it wasn't Paddy and um, and was ready to report that in rec room, but Shane Shane's very good at what he does, uh, Harold Shane Curry, and he uh, he had the the uh, the exclusive and, and an interview with Ryan Bridge. I think that's a really, really interesting move, uh, and I'll, I'll just sort of, I wanted to, to talk a little bit about why. Um so firstly, I've long felt that New Zealand has a, a weird kind of a matcher problem. Like our media organisations spend too much time looking at one another and try to create products that, you know, functionally replicate what the other does. And, you know, you see that with like NZME's got 
Flavor and MediaWorks has got MyFM. You know, they're just all across the the sort of you, you see a lot of it in radio, but you you know you 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 see it with Canvas and Sunday. Just the whole the whole of our media there there is a real kind of if they've got one, then we need to have one kind of quality. And and you really saw it with Seven Sharp and the project that they were actually more different in some respects than they. Yeah, the closer you look, the the more they were differentiated. But fundamentally, they were, you know, lifestyley type shows. There was some current affairs in them, more so in the project. But certainly, they the they were cut from a similar cloth, and they were really different from what they replaced, which was the. You know, the 7 p.m. current affairs show uh, historically was, you know, the obviously the the big daddy of them all was was Holmes, and uh, that went on to create Close Up and uh, and Campbell Live, and you know there was a period there where we had three or maybe even four of these things running head to head. They were all kind of we can we can over. Um, mythologize these things they had their silly segments they had their off nights but they also had newsmakers on being given a good grilling um in the way that jack tame um and a whole bunch of people still do now but they just don't do it in prime time so the idea of going against that sort of move towards lifestyle type content and into a much harder news show out the back of the news having longer form interviews with with people in the news I think this era where there are so many knotty issues that are sort of unfolding in front of us that warrant that kind of scrutiny, to do that in prime time, it's it's a fantastic move. Not guaranteeing it'll work. The the whole reason that Campbell Live was was cancelled and replaced with, with ultimately with the project was because there was a theory that the public didn't have an appetite for that anymore. But most things, I think, in this industry are cyclical, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if there wasn't actually more of an appetite than we um, suspect for uh, a show that has a, a sort of a crunchy and news focus to it. The other thing that's interesting about it is is where Ryan Bridge is perceived to be politically. Of, of all the presenters on either TVNZ or Three, uh, Ryan Bridge is probably the seen as the most kind of right-leaning and that stands out because the the rest of you know the balance of the the presenters are either centrist and I think a lot more are centrist than uh, than than we kind of sometimes give them credit for there's a perception of the media the current media as as being quite left-leaning and some some in the in the media are you know, avowedly so, and and that's absolutely fine. And there are a lot more who are who genuinely work very hard to to hold the centre, and and that's also to be commended. But I'm personally a believer in a a media that has diverse perspectives within it, and I think when you have a television sector that broadly either has centrist people or left-leaning people, that is part of what creates this general kind of grumpy uh, disposition towards the media because, let's face it, 55% of people just voted for the three parties that are in government now and a lot of those people don't feel represent that their views are regularly represented on television. 
in terms of you know coming from a particular presenter you know and you could see this in like like I went to the finale of the project uh, a week ago today and you know Mark Richardson is was the sort of token right winger on a show that you know naturally had a kind of center left disposition I think it's fair to say and he made this joke about how he was he was happy to be well, he's fine to give up his job because he'd succeed in his mission to get uh, national back into into government, and it was a joke. But you know, Mark Richardson is genuinely like a right leaning guy who's contemplated running for the National Party, but he was the outlier in that environment, um, and and that says something about how frequently those views are represented in broad mainstream television environments. Uh, not that there isn't like you know the biggest radio show in, in New Zealand is Mike Hosking's breakfast so it's not hard to find a shitload of, of right-wing media I'm, I'm not going to argue that uh, in print online but on television it has just it's gone from being the default like you know like the, that was a lot of our media used to be kind of right-leaning to being kind of weirdly hard to find so I think from Free's, Free's perspective to have a single host and have that that person be politically a bit outside of of the general thrust of the mainstream that's just like a really interesting move and three is in a bit of a hole right now it's the shows aren't rating particularly highly you know some of that cyclical and seasonal but it is <clears throat> you know tv and sets had a had a really strong run and it needs to try something it can't just stand pat and expect things to change I'm not saying this will work but i i really understand the move to do this i also think that to give Ryan Bridge his credit, I don't think that just because he there's a perception that he has this disposition that he won't go hard at at everyone. Um, I'm I'm not saying that at all, but I do think that there is there's a whole group of people who I think have turned off television, not just because there's all this great stuff available in digital environments, but because they don't feel like their side gets a fair shake. Rightly or wrongly, and I'm not, uh, you know, I think a lot of the time that stuff is way over-egged, like it, it actually isn't nearly so so bad as, as it's perceived to be. But having someone who, who you know, comes from a different side of the aisle, I, I just, I do think it's a, a smart move, ir, you know, irrespective of whatever your politics might be, uh, that that there's, you know, you've got to try something in this era. And I think, um, I think they're smart to have done that. So... Uh, that is all I wanted to say on on what I think is a, a subtly quite interesting piece of positioning. And even if you disagree with it, one final point: even if you disagree with the um, the notion and think that Ryan Bridge is some kind of asshole, look, fair play. But you have a government right now that is sort of on record as pretty hostile and to and suspicious of media in some quarters. If they have like a person in a prominent spot who they feel like is more in their camp, it might just be that they look at the whole of the New Zealand media industry, the news media, um, and think, well, actually, it's starting to kind of rebalance itself a bit, you know, after uh, maybe a period where for all kinds of, you know, COVID and uh, related reasons, it got a bit out of whack. That's the perception on their size side. If they look at this as a as a, a rebalancing, then even if you don't believe in the Ryan Bridges project, 
this might end up being a good thing for the whole media because it might temper some of the kind of scorched earth tendencies that people like you know, a David Seymour or a Winston Peters might have when they're in, in sort of high dudgeon mode. Uh, yeah, so that's that's uh, my, my take on the, the Ryan Bridget 7pm story. Uh, thanks for listening. This was The Fault. That was The Fold, brought to you by our partners at O-Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Huge thanks to O-Media for sponsoring this episode of The Fold and enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Kia ora e te iwi, te ahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.